Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Planorama podcast, brought to you by the Ryerson Planning Alumni Association. Planorama is a fun, easy-listening, interview-style podcast where each episode we'll be chatting with Ryerson planning grads from all age ranges, programs, and backgrounds. We'll be talking about everything from favorite planning buzzwords to favorite field trip memories. And I'm your host, Ashley Patton. and um, welcome back to the Planorama podcast. Um, This episode was recorded way back in May of 2018, but it's time that the world hear my conversation that I had with Fabian Chan. Um, Fabian and I um, met at a student group called Real Estate Ryerson back when I was in my first year. Fabian is currently a senior research and development analyst at MPAC, the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation. She's previously worked as a data scientist with the Ontario Ministry of Education, as a planner at Enberry Lion Consultants, as well as a research analyst with the market intelligence company Urbanation. Fabian is a passionate city builder with a background in big data analysis, real estate market analysis, and urban planning. She's a proud founding member of hashtag SITTO, a group of urbanists dedicated to encouraging more public seating as a placemaking tool in Toronto. Fabian's hobbies include ultimate frisbee, biking, and badminton. So I hope you enjoy the conversation that Fabian and I had way back in May of 2018. I have with me Fabian Chan. Um, Fabian and I know each other from Real Estate Ryerson. Do you remember those days? Oh my goodness. Good old days. (laughs) Good old days. Um, uh, Fabian was the VP of Project Management, and I was her associate when I was in first year, I think. And you were in third? Yeah, you were a keener. Yeah. (laughs) And then I took over your role when you graduated. Yes. Um, And yeah, we've just kept in touch since graduating and thought I'd ask you to be on the podcast. You'd be Mm. a, a great addition. Um, so what, if, maybe if you just want to introduce yourself, what you do currently for work or kind of your little, your ventures, I yes. know there's a lot of them, um, and what year you graduated from Ryerson. Uh, yeah, so as Ashley mentioned, my name is Fabian and I graduated from um, uh, Ryerson in 2014 uh, with a Bachelor's of Urban and Regional Planning. Um, and uh, I am, well, I most recently quit my job. Um, to pursue a career that combines tech and urban planning. Oh, a couple of the other, a couple of projects that I am involved in um, on the side. Well, currently I'm learning how to code um, and I've been building a couple of projects using uh, the City of Toronto's open data catalog. Um, and happy, I'm happy to talk about them later on in this mm-hmm. podcast. Awesome. Um, so my first question, so yeah, this podcast is just like a fun Uh, interview style there's some fun questions but kind of a standard set of questions that I ask every everybody so my first question is why did you get into planning well I actually didn't know planning was a thing until like grade 12 when we had to apply for (laughs) something in university or college or whatever 
Um, I initially thought about uh, going into architecture um, until one of and until an uncle of mine sat me down with an actual architect who had her own firm, and basically the first thing she told me was, "Don't do it. It's not <laughs> what you think it is." Uh, and so maybe she's one of the more cynical um, architects, but. Um, then my uncle suggested I look into urban planning if maybe architecture wasn't my thing. So I looked into urban planning, never heard of it before, and I thought, oh, this is it's basically studying city building. And growing up in Hong Kong, I, I know a thing or two about density, and I thought, oh, okay, let's, let's look into this. And um, yeah, so I did some research, and I found, wow, urban planning seems really, really interesting. And so... I guess I kind of fell into urban planning, mm -hmm. and I'm lucky that I did because I, I, I love planning. Yeah. That seems to be a common theme among um, just even the people I've interviewed, but also quite a few people I've, I've talked to. It's one of those things that you don't, <laughs> you don't really know about. You it's kind of behind the scenes. Urban planners. Yeah. yeah, it's so unfortunate. Like, yeah. There's no urban planner that comes into, into yeah. class in high school yeah. and says, hey, by the way, we need people to build our cities. Yeah, nobody, nobody talks about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my next question is, what did you think planning was when you were in school versus what you understand it to be today? Well, I I don't know if that many people go into planning knowing what it is. I mean, there's like two or three courses that talk and debate about what exactly is planning. I mean, don't remember the course codes, but um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's really changed since I graduated and um, and act, have had work experience in planning. Um, it's and even just watching the news, you can see that it's a lot more political. Like politics is a very very key part of planning. And so I guess the difference between before planning school and now is maybe I'm a bit more <laughs> skeptical about how plans can, can come or cannot come into fruition. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah. And also, it takes a lot of time to get anything done Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. And even just, um, yeah, getting to know the political side and the legal side of it as well mm -hmm. in terms of bills passing and how, both how quickly things can change but also how slow things can change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, having a democratic planning process is so important, so key. Um, but I think we've come to realize that there are a lot of NIMBYs um, mm -hmm. when it comes to well, planning in Toronto, building in Toronto. But at the same time, I feel like Toronto is starting to recognize that, hey, what's up with all these NIMBYs? We're not getting anything done. That's mm -hmm. why we're not getting anything built. That's why there's a housing supply shortage. That's why, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. road affordability, all of that. So I think that, especially in Toronto, it's, it's a very exciting time to be a planner because you're seeing all this dialogue that's happening, all this dialogue that's happening between people who are not necessarily in city building, but they're starting to realize the importance of, mm -hmm. hey, like we need to, we need to plan better, we need to build more, et cetera. They're yeah. learning a lot more about planning than I feel like what uh, citizens before mm -hmm. uh, knew about planning. So the next question is a fun, uh, fun question. What is a planning buzzword that drives you crazy, or you think is overused or misused? Oh my god! Take a drink anytime anybody says sustainability or sustainable. <laughs> yeah. That, um, but nowadays I feel like. In what context do you think it's um, in? Whether that's in uh, 
speaking with planners or po planning policy or is it just overused everywhere? It's just overused everywhere. Sustainable planning, sustainable habits, blah, 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 sustainability, planning for sustainable cities. Um, I remember at my first CAPS conference, that's the Canadian Association of Planning Students, the first conference um, that I went to, I think in first year, the theme of it, which I really, I, 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 I really uh, respect is uh, resilience, building for resilient cities. Mm -hmm. And they were saying how, this was in 2011, and they were saying how, yes, people keep talking about sustainability, but how about resilient cities as opposed to sustainable cities? I thought, hmm, that's... It's a good point, even though I've only been in planning for one year at that point. But I thought <laughs> yeah. it was a very valid point. Hmm. But um, yeah, sustainable. Um, also, this is uh, the next question in, in the context of um, Ontario planning, because I know that's where your, um, your work experience has been. If you were a provincial policy document, which one would you be and why? <laughs> <laughs> would this have to be land use planning? No, it could be like any any provincial plan. Planning it could be, I don't know. Um, because of what I want to do in my career, I feel like I am, and also how I am as a person, but <laughs> maybe the um, open data master plan that is okay. currently being developed. Oh wow! Is that and that's a provincial initiative or yes, provincial wow. and also municipal. Okay. Well, a lot of municipalities are trying to adopt it. I'm not sure if they have a deadline for adopting an open data master plan, but I think that's the um, that's the goal for sure. municipalities to have it. Um, but there is one at the provincial level, and it's a work in progress. And so am I. So. And so is that mainly <laughs> just about um, like principles and and direction on the release of open data and yes. like cybersecurity and yes, like data stuff. privacy. That's a huge thing, okay. especially with all this talk of Sidewalk mm -hmm. Toronto collecting all this data. What's going to happen with the data that they collect about me? Um, that's all, all this data privacy and all this, you know, direction mm -hmm. initiative and, and, and goals, that's all outlined in the, um, the province's open data, I think it's called the master plan. I, I just Google open data Ontario yeah. or open data master plan Ontario. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, also another fun one, best uh -oh. field trip <laughs> memory. <laughs> Ooh. And first of all, where did you go for your field trips? Well, the two field trips that I went to were both, um, I was fortunate and privileged enough to go on the international ones. Oh, okay. The first one was um, to the UK, um, so that was England, Glasgow, and I forget the third place. Um, but it was to the UK, um, and it was, I don't think I had the same experience as a lot of other, um, of my classmates who went on the uh, domestic ones. Um, because it was a very tight-knit group. It was only the 12 of us both times. The second time was um, I went to the uh, the one in Scandinavia. So that was in Denmark, uh, Copenhagen and uh, Malmö in Sweden. Um, so those, I feel like my favorite memory was the one in Scandinavia. Where we went to this place called um, Christiania where you can't take photos. It's basically like where all of... Where all the um, under the table things happen. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I can't say any more on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, interesting. So some some secret ongoings on the, on the field trip <laughs> that cannot be mentioned on the podcast. But it's a fun time. <laughs> yeah. And who was the uh, who Cosney was the prof for for the UK? And then uh, Professor Lister. Oh, okay. okay. 
Yeah, it was great. She yeah. knew a lot of people in Scandinavia. Wow. Um, yeah, I think it was the first ever field trip that uh, School of Re- and Regional Planning had hosted um, in Scandinavia. Oh, wow. Uh, leads me to my next my next question. Um, who was your favorite professor when you were at Ryerson? Oh, too many. <laughs> um, can I name like three? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, who taught me? Um, so it was Cosney uh robinson and weber and i'm pretty sure they're all still here at the school um today but they were very influential not only were they very knowledgeable of course about the field of planning Mm -hmm. but they actually cared about the students and they actually gave you one-on-one time and they talked to you and they they made it a very personal experience um which i think is one of the most valuable things about um school of planning at ryerson and I know um, Pamela Robinson is um, big into open data and, yeah. and that uh, city tech initiative and, and stuff like that. Is, was that a level that you connected with her at that time or has that kind of grown since you graduated? Mm, I, she didn't really, um, or I wasn't very aware of her uh, involvement in the civic tech realm, which I now understand is massive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, back when I was in university back when i was at ryerson i didn't really uh, look into civic tech really mm. it wasn't really talked about too much back in 2014 2013 yeah it's very recent um, but yeah definitely everybody's talking about it mm. now and she is definitely somebody that i that i need to talk to mm-hmm. um when it comes to yeah. that i just follow her on twitter and always see her posts about civic tech yeah. and kind of her initiative and her involvement with city and i know she's involved with the sidewalk labs mm-hmm. um i think there's a fellowship this summer that she's kind of spearheading oh, or kind okay. of overseeing and so mm-hmm. um yeah definitely someone who um I, even i would love love to chat with yeah. about um, civic tech and all that stuff yeah the city of toronto is actually tonight they launched their or they are launching right now as we speak oh, wow. um their new open data platform oh um, so wow. i have well i'm going to check it out after the podcast but so a platform online like for yeah I instead think- of their their catalog I think it might be some kind of a platform where you can explore the data. I'm not oh, too sure at all, but I'm excited to check it out. Because yeah. yeah. I use um, I use the city of Toronto Open Data uh, building outlines and mm-hmm. um, property data for things like uh, determining neighborhood character and mm-hmm. um, for minor variance appeals and mm-hmm. stuff at the OMB and the uh, T Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if there's a there's more stuff coming. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So at your time at Ryerson, what was your favorite or most memorable project or class that you had in school? Um, I am going to have to say studio because I, it, working in a big group of like, what, 10, 12 people on something for an actual client was nothing that I had ever experienced before. And you become very tight-knit and very close with the people in your studio group because um, you end up spending a lot of nights in the studio. Um, so that's mandatory that you become close to them. Um, but it just gave us a very hands-on experience that I don't think we would get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially being located, Ryerson being located in Toronto, it gave you a lot of access to... It was a lot easier to access um, your clients and the people that you needed to interview or, or whoever that mm-hmm. you needed to talk to um, when it came to your studio project. And the fact that that lasted for an entire semester, um, that gave us a big, that gave us uh, enough time to work on a product that was 
that we were happy with, mm-hmm. or at least like satisfied with by mm-hmm. the end. And yeah, working in a big group, it allowed you to really find your niche in a project. Like it made you, for a lot of people I know, it made them realize that, oh, I really like InDesign. I really like putting things together. And so they, that's where they started developing their skills in InDesign. Or that's where they started developing their skills in feasibility or whatever it was. So that was definitely my favorite um, project or class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like four months is a good amount of time for you to feel rushed and that you, you know, you have deadlines, but also enough time for you to, yeah, learn how to use programs like InDesign and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and what was your, um, who were your clients? Do you remember? Um, like what? The first time around it was, um, I can say that, right? I can say who it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unless it's like, I know for me, we had to, um, for one of our clients, we had to sign a non-disclosure agreement oh, no about way. the findings of our report. Oh, so like we can say the client name, but yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for us, it was Chartwell. It was the redevelopment of one of their uh, senior homes in Ajax. Oh, okay. Um, because a lot of their properties at the time were dilapidated and they knew that and they said, they thought, hey, like, what can we do to um, redevelop the property to its, um, to maximize its highest and, or to achieve its highest and best use? Yeah. Um, and so having a real life project like that was like really exciting because, oh, we get to see the city of Ajax zoning bylaws and, 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 or the town of Ajax. Are they a city yet? I don't know. Town of town Ajax, I just know Pickering. The Pickering. City, right? It's a city now. City of Ajax? I actually I have know. no idea. <laughs> I probably should know this, but I don't. No, I just know I just know Pickering's bylaws are the worst. <laughs> like they're all still in paper binder formats. We have like thirteen binders in our library at work. It's awful. Oh my god, same with but Whitby. I don't, same with Whitby. <laughs> same with Whitby. Yeah, Whitby is was Ajax the same way with their zoning bylaws? I'm not too sure. I don't I don't I I never worked with uh, Oh okay, with that actual yeah. bylaw. Nine, my next question is what is your favorite city and why? Ooh, to live in or to visit? Yeah, either or. Um, or you can do one for both. One that you'd live in and one that you... To visit and to have, like, to have fun. Um, probably, it's going to be so typical, <laughs> but New York. Um, oh, yeah, it's of just, course. It's, it's an unending city of cities. It's just city after city after city. It's like, it's this, it's so dense. It's like downtown Toronto on steroids. It's cr- it's mm-hmm. amazing how much they fit you in there. You don't run out of things to do. Exactly. You you run out of time for mm-hmm. sure. And you have a different experience every yeah. time. Yeah. And they're so it's so different like going to the Bronx, going to Brooklyn, going to Manhattan, going oh my god, it's there's so much happening. There is so much culture, there's so much diversity. There's so much going on in New York. It's just amazing that all mm-hmm. this can happen yeah. in this city. Um Portland was also really cool. Um, Portland was very, everything has to be sustainable. Everything has to be <laughs> organic. Everything is locally sourced. Every, the culture is amazing. The beer is amazing. The coffee is amazing. Oh, I was just thinking back to Portlandia, the, oh my that God. TV show. I think that TV show, in, like it was like 50% of the reason why I decided to go to Portland. Yeah, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't make it out to that bookstore. And was it accurate? Like, was it? It's where young people go to retire. It's true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and they never, never made it out to that, yeah. that bookstore that uh, they, uh, <laughs> they make they fun always, of all the yeah. time. Yeah. Portland is amazing. But to live in Toronto, there's so much happening in Toronto. It's just, mm-hmm. it's such a, especially with that whole, like, this whole, like, Trump thing going on, I would, to live in, I would not want to live in the States. Mm-hmm. And also free health care is kind of great. So north of the border in mm-hmm. Canada, um, Toronto mm-hmm. 
Toronto is the place to be. Yeah, and you have lived elsewhere, correct? You said you grew, I grew up, up in, in Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah. Yeah, so it's nice to have that mm-hmm. breadth of, of travel experience, but then yeah. also come back and say, you know, yeah, I like Toronto and I choose to live here because it's such yeah. a great city. I mean, the cycling network could use some help. The bike infrastructure <laughs> yeah. could definitely use yeah, some help. Yeah, because you bike everywhere, right? Yeah, I love yeah. biking, but I'm... St- I'm planning on biking to, to Montreal in August. <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah. But I did get a new bike recently, but there's a lot of bike theft going on Yes, in I've Toronto. noticed that. Even just on Facebook. And yeah. I think yeah. there was three of my like friends on Facebook had their nice bike stolen. It's The cops really need to do something about it. They need to yeah. take bike theft mm-hmm. seriously because yeah. that has a direct effect on people wanting to bike and going mm-hmm. out to bike. Because I've definitely missed out on events because I couldn't figure out where to park my bike safely because mm-hmm. I just spent a lot of money on this touring bike and mm-hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to risk You're not going to sit in the event worrying about is someone going to steal my bike. I have definitely done that. Like yeah. sitting at an event worrying about oh is my mm-hmm. bike still there? Is my bike still mm-hmm. there? So that's going to affect whether or not I want a bike yeah. and I can I can safely assume that that's the case for a lot of other people because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of a lock you have people are going to pick mm-hmm. into it they're going to mm-hmm. break it. So what's the point of having safe cycling infrastructure mm-hmm. if people are worried that their bikes are going to get stolen? You can only curb that worry if you have cops taking bike theft seriously. Mm-hmm. So I introduced this next question um, because I know you have a lot of side projects and I always love to hear about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you working on any initiatives or side projects right now, um, either on your own or in collaboration with a group or committee? Um, and if you are, what are they? Oh, I definitely want to give a shout out to um, this one group that I worked with, um, helped co-found Black, uh, 2016? in 2016, um, hashtag CTO. Okay. Um, that was probably one of my proudest, um, mm-hmm. proudest things that I've been involved with. Um, but basically, we were trying to promote or encourage um, public seating in Toronto. Because, especially just two years ago, like where would you find public seating in Toronto? Like, good public seating, good examples of public seating. At Ryerson, we're lucky enough to have that little um, uh, space um, out, around Lake Devo? Yeah. Lake Devo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, those kind of flex chairs. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, I don't remember if they were chained together. But um, They were. They were at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to prevent, like, theft mm-hmm. or whatever. But when the sun's out and weather is nice, like, you see people, those none of those chairs are free. Mm-hmm. People love sitting outside. They love, like, why do you have to pay for a coffee, pay for a $5 latte or whatever just to sit somewhere? Why can't there be more public seating? Like, along Young Street, I don't know if it's, I hope it's changed now, but between the lake and, I think, Bloor Street, there's only one bench or two benches oh, wow. um, along Young Street. And it just goes to show, like, why is there not more public seating? Why... Are there not more places for people to congregate and, you know, just be out and about? Mm-hmm. Um, and so hashtag Satio got that dialogue going by um, encouraging people to use, hey, if you see a place um, that could use some public seating or some public space, um, hash- take a picture and hashtag, hashtag Satio. And that way we can see, hey, there's a lot of potential here for, mm-hmm. you know, a small public space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that I worked in worked with in uh, 2016 and I know you guys got some media coverage with that that was really good yeah we got a lot of media coverage mm-hmm. we got and all it took was it, all it took was just a couple of Ikea chairs yeah. with like spray paint and um, hashtag CTO <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah we got a lot of media coverage we actually went on um, this TVO documentary documentary called The Life-Sized City mm-hmm. that's hosted by Mikhail Colville Anderson 
who was behind um, Copenhagenize, that branding oh, yeah. slash urban planning campaign. Um, and yeah, so that's on TVO, so go ahead and check it out. It's oh. on the Toronto episode. Yeah, I'll definitely have to, to, to watch that. Yeah, yeah. They uh, selected a bunch of projects that represented, that were unique to each city, and um, Hashtag Satio was unique to Toronto, and so they picked us to go and do a couple interviews and do some guerrilla oh. urbanism. So that's one of the things I'm most proud of as an urban planner. Um, right now, because I'm working on coding, um, there is, so I'm learning Python right now, and I'm learning to scrape data from websites. And one of the things that I managed to get going for a while was uh, <laughs> scraping data. I don't know if I can say this, but may or may not be a scraping data from um, we'll, uh, we'll Google it to see if there's any, like... <laughs> yeah, but um, because I worked in real estate market studies back at uh, uh, Enberry Line Consultants, which I most recently worked at, um, and Urbanation, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could scrape data from... Maybe scrape data from... <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetically scrape <laughs> and see what prices are like for um, apartments. So I managed to, or I may or may not have managed to get a web scraper going. Um, hypothetically. Hypothetically. I don't know if... It, yeah, I don't know if it works. It should work. Maybe. I don't know. Contact <laughs> me. Um, uh, it's supposed to scrape data from uh, every day. Um, and it'll get the price, the, the rent, uh, the, the bedroom size, or the... Uh, the, the unit size, where it is, all that information, um, nice and clean into Excel. And so that way, if I were to get that going, I could have a like a monthly data on what rental, what the rental market is like hmm. in Toronto. Because the most consistent source of data that a lot of firms use is MLS. But what if we were to look at rental apartments um, on because I think that really reflects what um, your typical Toronto exactly you know your average your average affordable you know basement suites and exactly. all those other yeah yeah because not everybody can afford to go through a real estate agent and rent you know in the newest and shiniest condo so yeah and I managed or I may not, may not have managed to do that um, with coding <laughs> <laughs> that's um, incredible yeah but then there's the possibility of doing <laughs> such a such a task <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um. But I think that goes to show what uh, technology can bring mm -hmm. to the table when it comes to urban planning. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just trying to build my skills right now and um, learn more about coding and what, mm -hmm. more, what it can do for um, someone who's interested in city building. Mm -hmm. I was once interested in, in learning to code and oh, yeah? it kind of got pushed under the rug, but I, I still get emails from, I think it's women in coding. Oh, it's yeah, just like a yeah, women, yeah. In, women in empowerment to code and yeah, I love yeah, yeah. I love um, seeing I forget where I was I think maybe in DC it was this coffee shop and it was this group of women coding and it was just That's so cool it was so inspirational <laughs> I know and I just like yeah it was just really uh, really inspiring and I don't know it just it was it's it was weird mm -hmm. it was you think, oh coding like the first thing that comes to mind is like is some guy in his a nerdy yeah yeah exactly yeah. just like coding away but no like women can yeah. code too yeah, and so I think just that mindset. I think even for me, as a as a woman, is changing. It's like oh, totally more yeah. women in STEM. Hashtag more women in STEM. Yeah. <laughs> um, those are all my questions. Oh, so I think I, I think I say that the same way every. So those are all my questions. That's your brand. <laughs> yeah, that's my brand. People, uh, people listening. Um, yeah, thanks for for doing this, Fabian. This no, was, it was great talking exciting. to you. Should be. Um, yeah, should be up. Shortly, and uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> a big thank you to everyone tuning in to listen to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Planorama so you never miss a new episode.